I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Our thanks to this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants of Pershall, Worcestershire. There is no better group of plants of power Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to exchange some news, views, a bit of seasonal advice and uh, hopefully answer some of your gardening quandaries. It's been quite a year. None of us have experienced anything like it. So on Christmas Eve, please excuse me for a minute while the fizzy apple juice is uncorked. And I've got a packet of crisps open too. So we're kicking off uh, the festive season. Excuse me just a minute. So there we are. Cheers. The start to the festive season and for me to have a few relaxing days. That should include, with luck, a few hours winter digging if the weather will dry up a bit. Oh, I love digging. It's such a relaxing thing to do, usually with my friendly robin flattering around my feet. And when you've finished, no matter how long, maybe just uh, half an hour or so or several hours, you uh, end up physically tired with a good appetite and ready for a full night's sleep. And as you finish, you can just glance back and admire all that soil turned clean and neat, ready for the new season. Actually, looking back over 2020, as far as I'm concerned, an interesting lesson for me was the large size of narcissus and tulip bulbs that we planted by the thousand between Christmas and New Year 2019. It was a bit late, but they flowered beautifully come spring. So if you've got uh, any lifted bulbs left in the shed or the garage, be sure to plant over the next few days. Now, who better to discuss our rear view of the 2020 gardening year than Trevor Pfeiffer, editor of Garden Trade News and the weekly publisher of Gardening's Best Sellers. He's an absolute font of information on the uh, garden trade. Now, Trevor, I think it would be fair to say that... uh, 2000 has been, um, shall we say, less than a normal gardening year. Uh, You could say that, Peter. (laughs) 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 The stories we've covered in Garden Trade News have just been amazing, really. The year actually started off quite slowly for everybody compared to other years. 
then got going in March and people were panicking. And I remember going to garden centres who were busy converting coffee shops that had closed down into temporary veg stores and uh, food stores so they could try and stay open. But then, of course, there was that closure at the end, towards the end of March, where they then remained closed for seven weeks. And that, that actually meant for GTM bestsellers, where we analyse sales on a weekly basis, on that part of the business, we had nothing to do for seven weeks because there were no sales going through the tills of garden centres other than those that managed to keep going to do some click and collect and local deliveries. And hats off to them because the efforts they put into to doing that for their local customers were tremendous. Looking at your graph, there are all these peaks and troughs, but then when it, the lockdown came, it was just a straight line on the bottom line. Absolutely nothing at all. It was for our data because we just record products that are sold through garden centres when they're open for retail. Some of the garden centres we get data from were actually doing deliveries. So there would have been some sales going through, but just a tiny percentage. And of course, a lot of those garden centres that were doing that had no idea whether they were making any money doing it. But those garden centres were determined to keep serving their local customers. And I know some of them got very close to selling out of compost a few weeks during closure because because the demand was huge. Um, and, uh, of course, there was problems with supply during that period. I mean, at Baytree, I think they got down to the last bag at one stage, didn't they? Absolutely. <laughs> and at Baytree, it happens to be my local garden centre, but at Baytree, they were the whole family, you know, sons, daughters, boyfriends, girlfriends of grandchildren were there working while all the all the proper staff were off on furloughed leave. They were delivering at till eight and nine o'clock at night um, to keep people supplied. Uh, it's a tremendous effort. And I know at Alton's in Essex as well, they had a similar story where the family was out delivering in their vans to all hours to get, get stuff out. And that, that, that happened in pockets across the country. Trevor, I know that uh, David, just up the road from me, uh, he, I think he lost a stone, he said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Loading, yeah and then, loading and offloading bags of compost. Yeah, and then there were garden centres in Cornwall who turned themselves into a, a local produce and food service. So they were providing local food parcels and food deliveries to their customers, uh, as well as plants and garden materials. So it... it it proved actually that when push comes to shove, garden centres really are the centres of people's communities and they can provide those kind of services. But the, the most important thing was going on in the background, and you were a party to this, was all of the work that was done through the industry to lobby government to make sure that the end result was for garden centres to become open. But the key thing was to make sure that British growers' plants could be sold because obviously the, the growers had lost a whole load of um, sales from earlier on in the year. And that work was just tremendous. And th that meant that seven weeks after closing, well, the floodgates opened. Garden centres have worked on less staff. They've, they've sold more product. I'm not sure whether they've made more profit, but they've certainly sold more. The sad thing of it is, is that the only part of the industry that hasn't caught up substantially is, is the sales from the plant area of, of actual plants because those plants that would have been sold during late March and April and early May couldn't be sold uh, later on because that part of the season had just gone. So on all the figures that we monitor, plants 
have ended up the year in terms of volume sales still 20% down on the year. Whereas growing media, people actually getting on growing has ended up the year three or 4% up, even though we had no sales recorded for seven weeks during the key parts of the season. So, Absolutely amazing, that is, don't you think? Uh, um, and, and for years, we've been talking about recruiting the next generation to gardening. And I mean, it seems to have happened overnight <laughs> following the opening up from the lockdown. Well, that's it. Garden centres have reported so many new and different customers coming into them since uh, since they reopened. I expected when they first reopened for it to be really keen gardeners coming in and catching up on things they wanted to do. And they did. But actually, there were also a hell of a lot of new gardeners just coming in, coming to a garden centre for the first time because they'd spent seven weeks wanting to do things in their garden, not necessarily being able to. But somebody summed it up. People have just had time to appreciate that they have a garden and that they can do things in it. And of course, ultimately, that means growing things. I kind of reckon that there's at least a third, if not sometimes up to two thirds more gardening going on this autumn than there would be normally. That shows a lot of people have got the bug and want to do things in their garden, what better way to decorate your outside room than to grow plants? Well, exactly. And the benefit to the environment too. You know, if people are not driving out in their cars and flying all over the world and just pottering happily at home, it must have a valuable effect on the environment. And also personal and mental health of people being outside. And, of course, we've heard lots of stories. There was one on the radio the other day about... um, you know, horticulture is a good therapy for veterans who are suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder. Gardening is a great therapy, isn't it? To, to experience that joy of planting something and seeing it grow. And of course, harvesting crops, which goes on to talk about veg growing. I mean, veg veg growing has just gone through the roof. I, I would imagine this year there, there, was, there was probably less tomatoes sold in supermarkets during August and September than normal because people had grown them all at home. <laughs> <laughs> and one, one of the really good things is some research was done by one of the suppliers during the summer. They asked of these new gardeners, had they had success in their garden? We all worry about new gardeners coming to the market and not being successful. I think it was over 75% of people said they'd had some success. Now, some success might be just growing two tomatoes or two potatoes. We don't know. But but if people perceive they've had success, then the chances are they're going to get on and do something. If only a third of them carry on gardening, that's a million more customers. But it does mean that garden centres and gardening clubs need to think differently about how they attract and how they serve these new gardeners. Because they, they have different information needs. They, they have different requirements. And they can find a lot of information out on the internet, but they still need that word of mouth contact. They still need that reassurance that a member of staff in a garden centre or a member of a gardening club could give them to say, look, in this area, this works best, you know, because of the regional differences with soil and climate and stuff. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I'm interested, Ian, that you pick up on the gardening clubs because I had a message recently from Frank Hardy, who was deputy principal at uh, Pershaw College and does quite a lot of talks now in retirement to uh, horticultural societies. And, of course, all of those meetings have been cancelled for nine months. And he says that uh, he fears a number of them are not going to open. Our local society here, thanks to a generous gift of some bulbs by Hayloft, have just delivered ten tulips to every member. Next April, when we hope to be back with meetings, they can bring what they've grown. And if we can't meet, they can send in photographs. And so we've kept the society alive. And I think it is important that those things are kept alive by some means or another. Absolutely. And I would urge every garden society just to keep going and keep ticking over because... At the end of the day, over the garden fence, personal one-to-one contact and reassurance for people when they're gardening is just everything, isn't it? It just always has been the key form of uh, communication in our industry. Yes, the internet is there for people to refer to and to get ideas from and to get some basic information. But speaking to somebody who's been there, done it, got the picture and has got that experience. It's just just amazing. And and that's why garden centres uh, are such a great source of information for people. Well, it, uh, everybody, everybody gains confidence, both the member of staff and the customer. They both gain confidence from success. But Trevor, can I move you on now to Christmas? Because Garden Trade News is always, you know, up to its uh, armpits, shall we say, in Christmas. Our figures show Christmas sales in volume are down slightly year on year. But I think that's because Christmas started selling before I start recording Christmas product sales. So I have to do some cross analysis on that. But see, normally at this time of year, I'd be on a road trip visiting up to 100 garden centres, the length and breadth of the country to to see their Christmas displays. But because of lockdown two, and uh, I'm now in a tier four area here, uh, I can't go and do that 
well, I could go and do it technically for work, but I feel it's not really a good idea to do it. So this year for our greatest Christmas awards, the garden centres are sending their photographs and their ideas and all of their charity initiatives into us for the greatest Christmas awards. And there's been some great activity going on. I think one of the neatest products I've seen, it's a uh, we have an award for the Festive Food Hall and Glendoyck Garden Centre in Scotland have been selling these wonderful festive Christmas pudding cheeses. So it's, I think it's, it's Scottish. Just a minute, just just a minute. Christmas pudding cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it's cheddar cheese from one of the Western Isles, uh, but it's wrapped in wax and the wax is decorated in the, sh- in the style of a Christmas pudding. It looks wonderful. If I'd have been on the road, I'd have brought some back for certain. <laughs> uh, and of course, by not not have not being able to go to Scotland to visit Christmas, I wouldn't have. I've missed out on my haggis breakfast bap <laughs> at Mains of Drum Garden Centre. What? Yes. What about some of the English people then? You know, <laughs> Roger Crooks told me that down at Pews, because they made an early decision not to do their grotto this year because they have an award-winning grotto that thousands of children usually visit. They then were able to put more effort into their Christmas displays. And the other thing that the uh, I've noticed in a lot of the entries from the English garden centres is their attention to detail on keeping Christmas safe from a COVID point of view. Aylets in uh, St Albans have adopted a shop-and-go mantra, and they've made it really clear that what they want people to do is come and shop and go. And they even almost created a semi-drive-through uh, sales area for their Christmas trees. A few garden centres have done that this year. I put take my hat off to the garden centres because they really have done superb efforts to keep themselves, their, their customers and their staff safe. But Trevor, what about the future then? What do you think we've got for 2021? Well, I think that for 2021, if the weather is good... It's going to be a boom, boom, boom year. Uh, I think, you know, 25%, 30% more activity than usual. As uh, John Ainsco at uh, Somerset Garden Centre pointed out to me, he said, it's all right you saying there's all these new gardeners there and it's, it's all right you talking about the worries of Brexit, but at the end of the day, we are dictated to by the weather. Entirely, yeah. Um, yeah. The most worrying thing for the industry at the moment is, is, is all the products that come in from China, in particular furniture, um, being stuck in containers and prices uh, being put up. So anybody that bought furniture and barbecues this year, well done, because you got a good deal. Next year, it might be at a premium just because the price of the container transport are going up so much. And there are the industry is concerned about plants, plants from Europe, which will predominantly be house plants, because the one thing I really wish we had some UK growers getting serious about growing houseplants and foliage houseplants for the UK market, because that's such a growth area at the moment. And the only real suppliers are, are the Dutch and the Belgians. Um, so we need those supplies to be coming over still. Uh, Trevor, I spoke to um, Hills Brothers, Greg, because I had a picture of red begonia for Christmas. And he said, oh, no, no. He said, that's gone. We're all into green plants now. Oh, good. Okay. So one or two of our big producers uh, have already made that switch. It is a, a booming market, I think. And especially these new gardeners, they understand the value of plants. Mike Wyatt, our associate editor, 
um, just wrote an introduction for our sustainability directory, which we published this month. Uh, and he, he used, coined the phrase that um, nature will become second nature to new gardeners or is second nature to new gardeners. You know, they, they really do understand the nature side of it. So we need to harness that. That's a great headline, Trevor. It is, I, yes. Peter. Yeah. Uh, when you get your yeah. copy, have a read of the sustainability directory. And, uh, and the, there's an article in there called The New Environmentalist, just looking at long-term trends that have all of a sudden skyrocketed in terms of you know people being environmentally conscious and aware. And there's a whole army of people who will be gardeners and have become gardeners, but they're, they're gardeners with a slightly different outlook on life. You know, they, they really do want to do things naturally in nature and they understand that plants are good to have. Uh, Trevor, can you give us any examples of um, a new emphasis when it comes to our new gardeners? Well, it's, it's an interesting one, Peter, because uh, sales of wild bird feeds through garden centres in the, the data that we get for GTM bestsellers are, are down year on year. But uh, I know that more people are doing more looking after wildlife i think we think a lot of those sales went online during lockdown one uh, and people are just getting them delivered to home what i do see is an increase in sales of things like uh, hedgehog feeds very specific bird feeds for example this week in the world wild bird care chart jacoby jane's i love robins bird feed was an entry into the bestsellers chart so uh, you know very specific things you know hedgehog houses squirrel-proof bird feeders. And I just sense that this new gardener is conscious of the fact that if they attract wildlife into their gardens, that becomes a natural deterrent for lots of the pests and the diseases that, that they, or not diseases, but the pests that they could have on their fly that they might have, their parents might have treated with chemicals in the past. Well, we should expect Little Robin Redbreast food to be popular this week before Christmas, shouldn't we? <laughs> oh, absolutely. This year, almost anything with Robin on sold well. <laughs> Trevor, it's always great to speak to you. You and Mike, when you think of the experience you have in the retail field, uh, thank you very much for today. Uh, have a good Christmas, uh, and we all look forward to a very successful new year. Cheers, Peter. And what about the tailpiece? Well, uh, there was a cartoon from uh, Twitter with two ladies chatting over the garden fence, and one asks, so what do you plan on growing next year? To which she replies, older and crankier. We will all be older next year, and quite likely I'll get even more cranky. But there we are. Rich and I are taking uh, a week off next week, so uh, look forward to uh, a relaxing time for a few days and also to speaking again in the new year. Do your very best to have a happy Christmas. Thanks to this week's sponsor, Hayloft Plants of Pershall, Worcestershire.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.